Lux Pod. My name is Matthew Perpetua. This episode features Heather Havroleski, who is a writer. She is a very well-known device columnist. She does the Ask Polly and Ask Molly columns that you can get uh, uh, currently on her Substacks. Uh, she's also written a few books, uh, including the How to Be a Person in the World, which kind of collects a bunch of Ask Polly's and what if this were enough? Which uh, is more about uh, advice through the, the lens of pop culture, and that's kind of where we go in this episode. I wanted to have Heather on for a lot of reasons, but especially because with her background as an advice columnist, and I think an especially good one, I wanted to look at advice in popular music. And you know, there's a long history of advice coming through in pop songs. So I, I pulled a bunch of uh, memorable ones, mostly pretty famous songs, and you know we just hashed it out. And I think uh, there's some songs where you might think the advice is good, but Heather actually comes against it. And then there's others, you know, vice versa. So I think uh, you're in for some surprises, and I think a good amount of wisdom in this episode. Uh, before we get to it, just a reminder that this is a free episode, but the episodes that come out on Saturday is for Patreon subscribers only. You want to hit patreon.com slash fluxblog. $5 per month gets you uh, four or five extra episodes per month. And uh, also, if you like this episode, you like all of the episodes, tell other people because I do not have advertising behind me i don't have any corporate uh, placement in podcast apps and you know all of that this goes entirely by word of mouth as does virtually all of the things i do uh with flux blog so if you like it tell other people if you like you just like this one episode which i think is you know completely reasonable this episode all the episodes are different is the thing so you know you might it's uh, totally understandable to not like one but love the other trying to mix it up. But anyway, let's get into it. This is Heather Haverleski. Heather, can you tell the audience who you are and what you do? Yeah, um, I'm uh, an essayist. I um, have written four different books, all of them a little bit different, most of them essay-based and um I write uh, New York Magazine's uh, Ask Polly advice column. And uh, yeah, so I'm sort of like a cultural critic at some level. I was a TV critic for years. Um, I started my career as a cartoonist kind of that couldn't draw but wrote funny things with the help of a great illustrator at the one of the first online magazines. And so I've kind of done, I'm a hack. That's the bottom line. <laughs> And and that first that uh, was suck the, the yeah suck dot com suck dot yeah. com just um, kind of a a thing that I don't think a lot of people know about now but you have to be like kind of a, a media nerd to really know but, yeah or just you just have to be if you were um, if you were worked in IT or with computers in the late nineties you have heard of suck dot com if you were in San Francisco. Um, 
and you were under the age of 30 then, um, you know what suck.com is. So there are these sort of pockets of people who are just, you know, rabid, at, you know, just cr- crazy into suck.com. Um, so, so one of the, a thing that you, you sent me was this kind of a, a, a quiz, like a, like, a, a, like a life advice quiz. It was kind of like a flow chart <laughs> type, type quiz. And like, you really knew what I would be interested in for sure. <laughs> Uh, as a person who has just somehow made the past like five or six years of his life about online quizzes. Um, Yeah. Well, I used to read your quizzes at BuzzFeed all the time. And I thought um, I, I used to uh, write quizzes for my, I wrote the, the filler column for suck. That was like mostly cartoons, but I would make up weird quizzes um, that were just mostly an excuse to be obnoxious um, and theoretically funny. Um, but your quizzes actually really reminded me of the kind of the ones that I did because your quizzes were always so funny and good. Oh, thank you. I mean, yeah, that's like <laughs> what you're saying. I was like, yep, yeah, that's that was what I was trying to go for too. <laughs> uh, and also, like the the I think the the key difference was that like doing it at BuzzFeed, especially when it was BuzzFeed was very very popular, like messing with people on a really grand scale. <laughs> Yeah. So just I, I, oh god, I, I will never get that thrill again in my life. I'm certain of just screwing with that many people all the time for a job. Yeah, I mean, what's better than um, screwing with people for a job? Nothing. Yeah, and especially because it was like a really like earnest uh, normie audience. Oh yeah, totally. Well, th- okay, so but times were a little different too. Like, did people actually get angry at you? when you would be um, too aggressive in your approach or? No, no, because like, as I became a little bit more dark and pushing those buttons a bit more, that I was just kind of like right in line with an, a, a larger trend towards people wanting to be dragged. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. like, uh, co- are you familiar with co-star astrology? Like that's become like the, yeah. one of, like their it. whole thing is like leaning into that. And yeah. yeah. I, but yeah, oh God, I, I love being able to write like the darker ones. Oh my God. So do you think that speaking of co-star and how people love to be dragged, do you think that I, can we talk about where we think the culture is right now and where it's going? Because I feel like, yeah, please do. Don't, don't you think that that's a mood at this moment that's sort of going to take off as like a move towards more darkness now that particularly like since we kind of, we got out of the Trump era without um, whatever, you know, name any number of even worse outcomes than what we experienced, you know, than half a million people dying, obviously. Um, but like, do you think that we, I feel like people have a, t- have a kind of hunger for darkness right now. Yeah. I, I think like, especially kind of a, a sort of darkness that would have been like kind of like nineties style darkness. Mm hmm. As opposed mm-hmm. to like, I think aughts and tens, like that stuff would, would manifest itself more in what I would consider a more whiny kind of attitude or or, or the way yes. people kind of approach a lot of stuff now. It's like, I love to cry like this. It's very per, like performative. Like I love to cry stuff. And I think that Lee, I, I feel like the darkness that I see kind of coming through is more uh, of a fuck the world. I hate this kind of aggression oh which i think uh-huh. aggression is the thing that's been in low supply people being miserable has been in very plentiful 
Yes, and but see, I would I would call it giddy darkness that's coming back in, which is oh, sort like of like a cure darkness, like a fun cure darkness. Yes, like um, teehee, everything's a, a fucking wreck, and ha ha ha. What? Who cares? We're all dead anyway. Teehee, you know, like it's a little bit. I mean, it's kind of cynicism, I guess. It's like making coming to grips with. You know, the veil is, has been lifted and we can all very see very clearly how screwed things are. Um, but it's also like, um, well, you know, let's have some fucking fun, right? Am I allowed to say? Uh, yeah, say it wherever you want. Okay. okay. That's just one of my staple, staples of my language. So, so you have uh, children who are kind of like either getting towards teen or, or they are young teens, right? Um, yeah, 12 so, and four, 14. What do you, what vibe are you getting from them and their acquaintances? Oh, um, well, they, they're not completely, um, uh, I haven't seen their acquaintances in a long time because we've been yes. trapped in our house. Um, but from them, what the vibe I get is, um, it's interesting. It's like, I mean, my personal feeling is that Oh God, I, I don't even want to tip a, dip a toe into this, but Gen X and Gen Z are a little bit in line with each other. Now that yeah. would kind of, I, I kinda, think that's absolutely true, especially because like so many of them are the children of Gen X people. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, it, it, it's sort of like you, you unknowingly create a sort of an ambient noise in your household that has certain values and concerns, obviously. And then your kids just soak in that and, they just have certain attitudes and you're kind of like, wow. And you know, if it, hopefully if you like yourself, you're like, I love, I love that they sound like me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ooh, so cynical. I love it. Um, but I also think that they are, I mean, it's really interesting. They're a little bit millennial, like in terms of they're very aware of, I mean, they monitor our speech a lot. It's not like they're like, ha ha, anything goes. Um, they're, they're, they don't like uh, accents when we do bad accents because we're assholes. You know, they don't There's like that. There's a certain strain of Gen X in that, though, because like there is like especially like late 80s, early 90s, uh, you know, political correctness. That was a, a very big part of Gen X, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, we're liberal and progressive. And so they pick up those values, obviously, and that's specific to to us. But I think, uh, yeah, they, I would say that they have an interesting, um, focus on mastery because the internet can teach you so many things and you can find out information and you can use Duolingo and look on TikTok and learn how to make, you know, mochi donuts or God knows what. Um, and so they're both kind of like, I want to learn how to do that. I want to learn how to you know, I'm going to make my room like this. Oh, cottage core. Yeah. They're very, um, I mean, it's intense because they're also so aware of, um, as they say, different aesthetics, right. Or different, you know, Ooh, cool aesthetic, nice vibe. Like they're just so aware of like the, the different t- tastes and cultures and, um, choices, consumer choices. And it's, it's almost like so self-conscious, which was also Gen X-y, right? Self-consciousness. Yeah. Um, it's a lot, though. I mean, they're really exposed to, you know, you worry so much when you're, when you're, I mean, in my 30s, I was like, oh, God, who knows what my 
poor, darling, innocent children will be exposed to on the internet because we're living in the internet age. And now that they're teenagers, it's sort of like, it's more like, um, it's not like you're that, you know, horrified at the like, oh, dirtiness or corruption. It's more kind of like, they just know all of the things. It's almost like you worry about them having access to everything all at once. And I mean, and just becoming paralyzed by that. I mean, I think we're all in that kind of state at this point yeah. because we have so much access to each we're, other. We're, we're all strapped to the same things. Yeah. 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 Strapped to the same kind of terrible bomb that's um, hurling across the atmosphere kind of thing. Like in Dr. Strangelove. Is that what you, I mean, what do you mean by strapped to? Oh, I, I was like, just kind of like just imagining like we're all having these helmets on or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we need helmets. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the, you know, if we're going to take this kind of like a generational, like macro view of it, I think like the, even besides like, you know, some, you know, a lot of familiar relationships, like the thing that the Gen X and the Gen Z cohorts have in common is kind of growing up in times where there's a, a lot of a, a, a threat that the world could end. And then also uh, a feeling like the future is not the thing that's you can really put a lot of hopes on you know yeah and i think yeah. the the thing that really characterizes the millennial cohort more anything else is like really being as children and teenagers buying into this idea that the future was going to be bright if they just did all the right things that they would get all the you know things that they wanted and i don't i mean i'm just i'm on the weird border where i'm just kind of like either the babiest baby Gen Xer or the eldest uh, millennial. How old are you? I'm 41. Yeah. So I'm like really yeah. just like right on that borderline. I could, I could really just decide, you know, I've lived most of my Jeez. life. I lived most of my life along millennials, but I feel like I was raised by Gen X. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely raised with Gen X values. Like all the, all the media, all the cultural influences yeah. are Gen X. And, and there's a part of me now, especially at this phase of my career, where I, I'm very invested in trying to, like, stick up for the Gen X people or just kind of, or really more their art and what they've created. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> Cause good. Because I, I feel like it's so easy for that to just kind of get washed away in the cultural hegemonies of boomers and millennials because they're so plentiful. Yeah. Well, I had this idea that I should start a zine that was printed out called X plus X plus Z. And it would just, the, the position of it, cause suck was really into like a careful rhetorical position because Joey, one of the founders, Joey enough um, was a rhetoric major. So, um, so, but I thought that the, the, the basic gist of it should be that everyone who writes for it is under the age of 25 and over the age of 40. <laughs> and, but you wouldn't necessarily just lambast millennials. Just you would just leave them, leave them out. And then okay. when people ask, like I wrote an FAQ for it just on a whim and it's like, well, you know, what, why are you leaving out millennials? And then you just say like, what, what, what years, what, what are millennials? Can you remind me? I can't remember <laughs> who are they, you know, because the world is so conform to taking the shape of like the tastes of boomers and millennials, you know, it's such like, the mean, dominant it's, it's, voice. I, I feel like it's just math, you know, it's just like that. It's yeah. the most people, the most money. But it's also the, I mean, I, 
you know, there's no better way to be unpopular than to sum up any generation. Uh, it's obviously all a farce. It's not. It's not true that you know everyone is uh, the same in the same generation. Obviously, but um, but what you said about the if you do the right things, the world will conform to your um, expectations is that's such an accurate snapshot and it's so reflected in the letters I get to ask Polly and it is um it I actually can't exactly relate to it because that is not the Gen X experience at all Gen X experience is much more like you may uh do all the right things and you may still be crushed number one number two is we did not have a lot of status anxiety i don't think compared to millennials we were not after we were very uh dyspeptic and um and cynical about status right um and we were also afraid of being sellouts right i mean there were just a lot of like weird kind of uh I mean, we were paralyzed by our own sets of, you know, we were still paralyzed. We still had all the despair and anxiety and depression that um, anyone else does. Uh, but it just took a different shape, I think. When I say like being raised by Gen X values, that whole sellout thing is like, so burned into my head and like in, in, in lots of negative ways. But I think about how growing up, uh, you know, kind of getting some kind of like real cultural awareness like towards the late 80s being like in, like around like 8, 9, 10 and then through my whole teenage years like I never heard one good word about being famous or being successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was always like, this yeah. is the worst thing that can happen to you. Yeah, absolutely. I was looking at old filler cartoons that I wrote in the 90s um, and I was like wow, this it's so direct like I anytime anyone kind of mainstream or you know, celebrity adjacent comes up, it's like, well, this empty shell of a husk of a person, you know, it's just like casually, you know, casually encountered as bullshit. And also pop, I refer to pop songs. And one thing I read this morning that was like, yeah, empty, stu- at least you don't have to listen to shitty, stupid pop songs, you know, which is just the, the culture departed from that um, kind of m- malignant, I hate everything mainstream, you know, position so completely in a way that you would never expect it to do. And then it, you know, well, the interesting thing about these cultural trends is that you, you just, it just sinks into the groundwater and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, my whole notion of the world has slowly changed just from being online a little bit too much. And I can't believe I let all this stuff in. Like it was, and it, I do think we're in this moment of like, you know, the nineties were not so bad. That was kind of cool. Like we did a lot of cool things back then. It was not, it, you know, I mean, obviously, yeah, it's, it was a good time. Lots of good music. People were angry in a very fun way, you know, some in some bad ways as well, obviously. Right. I mean, we can kind of look at this. I think you look at any period of time and see the good and the bad in it. I Yes. Especially like I, I've done so much like research on, you know, different eras of music, but also just like I, I read a lot of old magazines. I've been collecting old magazines for a few years. Oh, cool. And yeah, it's just like the world always kind of seems the same in a lot of like fundamental ways. Yeah. Especially if something's great, right? Like when you find a great book from the 70s or just great writing from like the 1850s, you know, you're you read it and you're like, "Jesus, these fundamental ideas are, you know, in uh, are in everything." You know, yeah, they the echo circumstances across. that change. Yeah. Yeah. 
So and that's, what and that's kind of what the that's kind of what the generational cohort thing is. It's about the the circumstances people are are uh, shaped by. Yeah, but then the human condition doesn't really change, right? The the basic um, frustrations, yeah, or, or, or just like the. the like, you know, there's probably always kind of roughly the same balance of people who are decent and people who are just total assholes. And, you yeah. know, that, that those ratios don't seem to change over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of a it go, that that actually that view goes against the kind of um, modern view in a in a weird way, because like how so? Well, I mean, I'd say that our current sort of socially mediate social mediated view is much more like if only we could find a way to take this group of bad people and um, shame them into being good for a change, you know, <laughs> like um, which it's not that that effort isn't valid. And, and, and of course that's a great thing to do, but, but it, it takes on these sort of, it takes on these moral uh, undertones um, a kind of like a crusades, like, um, you're going to, you're going to win people over. And it also paralyzes you because you, um, feel personally, I mean, I think for a while there, we all felt personally responsible for converting anyone we could to the good side of the force, you know, which, yeah. um, which is very difficult to do. And it's a lot to take on for every human alive, you know, like there is a, there's a cohort of people who, um, during the Trump years, felt every morning like they should be recruiting people for the, for the good side. And, it, See, and, and that's, I, I remember that being difficult. even stronger in the Bush years, like the George W. Bush era. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, like the, the real, like John Stewart daily show version of the aughts. But see, I feel like it wasn't, it was true that that was the vibe, but I don't feel like that was, people took it as personally. I think there was something about the Trump years where people felt like, oh my God, all I did today was, you know, eat a piece of pie and I'm an, I'm an asshole. Yeah, I think, well, maybe part of that is because, like, it's a lot of the things we were just kind of saying about millennials, and they're kind of at the, the wheel through a lot of that. That's yeah, like a yeah. lot of their anxieties. Yeah, Their anxieties right. to be perfect and to make the world perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I, I think we can kind of shift gears. I I, <laughs> I have uh, I, I'm going to I want to draw on your expertise as a uh, advice columnist. Like okay. probably, I think you're my favorite advice columnist. I think that's safe to say. Oh, awesome. There are a uh, lot of us. There's so many of us. Yeah. It always seems like there's more and there's like mm-hmm. plenty of good people. So I don't want to throw anybody under oh, a bus. Yeah. But Lots yeah, of I, 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 I like, uh, I don't know how to put it. Like, like yeah, there's just like a, a really straightforward, uh, there's a toughness, but kindness. I think that's like the, that's the ideal balance for this sort of thing. Oh, that's good. Thank you. I think I'm probably, you know, that's my personality. Sort of a nice person and also a tough person. Yeah. It's, it's you know, people people need it. If the people who are coming to you, they want it. But yeah. uh, we're going to look at a bunch of <laughs> uh, bits of advice from uh, popular music over the past I think about 60 years here. <laughs> oh my <laughs> like God. Bits and pieces. And these are, you know, usually most for the most part, like totally unsolicited pieces of advice that, you know, pop stars are giving you. Okay. So uh, I'm just going to throw a bunch of them at you and, you know, we can kind of, uh, is it good advice? Is it bad advice? Is there, <laughs> is, is this stupid, but there's a, a point here? <laughs> you know, 
Okay. Uh, we can start with a, a really super famous one, uh, which is The Rolling Stones. Uh, you can't always get what you want, uh, which the, the full line is, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what you need. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, where where do you stand with that one? Um, absolutely true. One hundred percent true. You cannot always get what you want, and as a human animal, you're often so fixated on what you want that you do not even pay attention to what you need. As an example, want is very easy in at this day and age to become obsessed with wanting some person, place, or thing. I want to live in New York. I want to move to Hawaii. I want to um, convince this completely unavailable person to fall in love with me. Um, and uh, you know, that's it's very easy to move into a tunnel of uh, cognitive self flagellating um and you know by following your desires right wherever they lead uh and especially your like um the desires that are kicked up by your uh you know trauma or your anxious attachment style or your um avoidant attachment style or you know all of the things that you have on board at this point in your life that sort of take a normal regular thing and twist it around until it's just like broken and fucked up and um you know which is what we're you know we're strange animals and we do all kinds of things with whatever we find and we can fuck anything up um so if you always follow what you want uh you might find yourself in all kinds of terrible places a heroin addict um obsessed with uh a uh, married woman, um, uh, obsessed with a celebrity who I got a letter the other day from someone who said, uh, I am in love with a cosplayer who's very well known. And he, um, has stopped messaging me on any social media except for only fans. And I want to find a way to, uh, express my feelings to him in a discreet way that expresses the fact that I'm mu- much more than a fan. Oh God. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, here's the thing. If he's only t- speaking to you or interacting with you on only fans, then that's, there's a pretty clear message there that you're only a fan. Right. You or or really be even beyond that, just a purely a consumer. Yes. You are in a transactional non-relationship um, which, you know, th- these things are designed to be confusing. That's how they sell them, right? But um, but so, yeah, you can follow your desires into all kinds of terrible dead-end places. But if you let go a little bit of your desires and stand back and say, okay, something new is coming at me and I don't like it, but I'm just going to see where it takes me. I'm going to let go and just open my mind to the fact that maybe the universe is bringing me something that I 
uh, can use, um, you may find that uh, suddenly you're surrounded by abundance in a weird kind of way, you know? So stepping back from that locked in position and saying, hey, whatever comes, I'm going to try to welcome it. Uh, that always That's always like a good part of your life when you can enter that space. So yes, Rolling Stones, thumbs up. I, I think just the, the, the jump, the, one more point on that. It's like a thing I really appreciate about that one is the clauses that come after it, where if you try, sometimes you might just find. It's just like, it's just kind of like softening. Like, like <laughs> even if you work hard at it, you, you might not get it. Who knows? But also I would say if you stop trying, Sometimes you get what you need. That's how I would all, I, that's the edit I'd give to um, the Stones. On that <laughs> let's, let's move ahead to a classic uh, by Prince and uh, more famous by Sinead O'Connor. Nothing compares to you. The line, mm. uh, I went oh, to the doctor me. and guess what he told me? Guess what he told me? He said, girl, you better try to have fun no matter what you do. And Prince adds, but he's a fool. Is he a fool? Um, no, he's not a fool. That doctor knows what he's talking about. I mean, it might be an oncologist, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, the Okay. Is the doctor a fool? Yeah, no, because, I, you know, I honestly say in my column repeatedly, whatever, because people write to me a lot about their careers and their creative pursuits. Um and I say all the time, whatever goal you have in mind, whatever life you have in mind, um, you will not get, you will not create something interesting and get to um, the goal and the life that you're picturing if you're motivating yourself with this magical place that has nothing to do with where you are now. So like, if you're focused on success and you're trying to write the next great American novel and you're like, all I know is this novel must be wildly popular and great. I need to achieve greatness and popularity in this document. And then I will be the next great American novelist. And everyone will say there, there she is. You know, um, if you, if that's your process, if that's where you're living to, you know, writing is torturous, horrible, an awful way to spend your time when you have that mindset. Now, if you get up in the morning and you say, um, what I really love is to write weird scenes um, where uh, my protagonist has a really a goal in mind and I understand what it is emotionally and then these things happen and things get in the way and um, that's just what I love. I love doing that. I, I just get such a charge out of it. It makes me giddy to do it. I feel good when I'm doing it. Um, the people who live that way are the people who end up, um, generally speaking, uh, succeeding. Now, let's see. What did Prince say? About? Oh, yeah. Have fun no matter what you do. Yeah. So well, if you can try to have fun. So I think trying is even more to the point, right? 
Trying to have fun. Yeah. Well, for me, it's kind of like noticing what's fun already, but you're not experienced. Like I used to tell the story. Uh, I don't know. Writing is always a pain. Like a lot of writers say this. Writing's just a pain in the ass. I just like having written. Like exercise sucks. I like having exercise. I've kind of come around to this other side where I'm like, actually, I love writing. You know, and I try to notice that I love doing it while I'm doing it. Now, granted, if I'm really focused, I'm just in the zone and I come out of it, the other side of it. And I'm like, oh, look what I wrote. Or I wrote something shitty and I come out the other side and say, you suck. And then I don't remember if I you know, enjoyed it or not. But yeah, try to have fun. Part of trying to have fun is linked directly to noticing what you love and noticing what is fun to you. Um, which a lot of us don't do. Okay, so Prince, uh, wrong about this guy. He's not a wrong fool. Prince. The wrong doctor, the doctor knew what was going on. Doctor, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's move to one from uh, the late '60s. This is an extremely late '60s bit of advice uh, from Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh, love the one you're with, and if you can't be with the one you love, honey, love the one you're with. And if you can't be with the one you love. Love the one you Well, if the one <laughs> if the one you love is far away and is also neglecting you and isn't your, let's say, husband or wife. Um, and then the one you're with is not just like some bullshit you're settling for, but is actually kind of exciting. Sure. Love yeah, it's, it's not I don't so know. contextual, I don't know. that one. <laughs> yeah, really. It really, it sounds like, I mean, I'm going to say Crosby, Stills and Nash were just saying, um, you know, Fuck everything in sight, I think, is what they wanted to sing. In fact, I think maybe the first draft might have been fuck everything in sight, which I'm almost more willing to endorse fuck everything in sight <laughs> because it doesn't imply that you're doing someone else wrong, right? But, um, but you know, I, someone has said to me recently that there's someone who talks about the be- – oh, yeah, Esther Perel apparently has some – I don't know. I, I don't want to go out on a limb because I haven't read about it. But someone was telling me that Esther Perel has a, has a talk or a chapter or something like that that's called The Art of the Affair. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I, I'm, I'm sort of familiar with this. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I had no idea this existed, but I was sort of like, that's that's amazing. Like, I have to read this and find it and listen to it. And I mean, I'm I just wrote a uh, I'm I'm finishing the edits on a memoir about my marriage. I'm still married. Incredibly after writing this book. But, um, but one of the things when you start thinking about marriage a lot is like the moral that, you know, marriage is such a, just based in religion and based in these moral choices. And, um, you start to kind of, if you look at it too closely, you start to, uh, if you're me, you start to think, Hey, (laughs) I made this choice. That was a mostly religious choice. It was religion based and moral based. And you know what? I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm not sure I like that. I've just painted myself into a corner. Um, and so you start, once you open that Pandora's box. Um, yeah. Anyway, my book, my book is good. That's all I want to say. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to say, 
Yeah, love the one you're with. Sure, yes. Okay. Kind of a be here now kind of advice. Kind of, yeah. But I do wish that he hadn't mentioned the one you love because it just gives you a little sick feeling inside and makes you think you might feel guilty if you love the one you're with. So I don't know, think it over. One, like a word substitution that I think improves the whole message would be if you can't be with the one you want, love the one. There you go. There you go. But see, that implies that the one you're with is not someone you want that much. How about like, Learn to <laughs> want the one you're with. Yeah. Let's move ahead it's to mid-90s. Different okay. era. This is TLC with waterfalls. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. I know that you're going to have it your way or nothing at all, but I think you're moving too fast. Kind of depends on the waterfall. I think, I don't know. You know, it's, what, you hear that, what I hear is like. What, what are they saying here? Are they trying to tell you to like limit your ambitions and to, you know, try to know your limitations? I think probably it's, um, I think probably it's get out of your head because you're getting obsessed with a kind of fantasy of where you could be when, and you're not, you're not grounding yourself in what you already have. That's what that sort of, that's like the um, charitable. Uh, I, I think that makes sense too, because if you go to, there's, there's actually a secondary piece of advice in Left Eye's rap uh, at the end of it. She goes, dreams are hopeless aspirations and hopes of coming true. Believe in yourself. The rest is up to me and you. I think that kind of clicks into what you're saying there for sure. Yeah. Like ground yourself in the real relationships you have, ground yourself in the life you have and start from there as opposed to imagining that you're going to transport yourself onto a different planet just by, um, through your ambition or whatever lust. I think that's good advice. Yeah. I think that's, we're going to say thumbs up to, uh, to that one. So here's one that I don't even know how to, I'm just going to throw this at you. This is a very famous song, most famous by Betty Everett, the Shoop Shoop song. Uh, there's two bits of advice. I'm just going to read both those, both those parts instead of the whole thing. Okay. If you want to know if he loves you, so it's in his kiss. If it's love, if it really is, it's there in his kiss. Does he love me? I want to know. How can I tell if he loved me so? Is it in his eyes? Oh, no, you'll be deceived. Is it in his eyes? Oh, no, you'll make believe if you want to know. If he loves you so, it's in his kiss. That's where it is. Oh, yeah. Our kiss is that powerful. Mmm. Mmm. I don't know, because I, mm, you can, no, 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 they're not. Because, well, I mean, they are, but I, you can't fucking tell if someone loves you or not based on the kiss. No fucking way. Like, haven't you kissed someone and you thought they were in love with you and it was just so good? It's so All subjective, right. right? And then, bummer, they they were just like, yeah, that was okay, but... um 
a lot of that is confirmation bias too. Like wh- whatever you need to believe in the moment. Yeah. I, and I mean, I made out with this one guy. How old was I? I think I was like mm, 29. And it was so good. It was just like, I, I met him at a party and I was like, this guy's so attractive. It was, I thought we had the best chemistry in the universe. And he was just like, yeah, no, it's, it was fine. But to, that's, you know, whatever, you know, like I, he, maybe he's just has great chemistry with every person alive. You know, you have no mm-hmm. idea, but it's like you, so I'm going to say, no, that's, it is not good advice. It is not all encoded. All the information you need is not encoded in a kiss. And, uh, and I mean, you can watch The Bachelor and tell that because you watch people make it on The Bachelor and you're like, they are in love. And then she's going home seconds later. Okay. Moving on to, uh, I think, a sort of similar song uh, from around the same era. This is The Supremes, You Can't Hurry Love. Uh, but Mama said, you can't hurry love. You just have to wait. She said, love don't come easy. It's a game of give and take. Hmm. Uh, and you got to trust, give it time, no matter how long it takes. say that's a good that's a good <laughs> set of rules for friendship um you can just you just have to stick in there and kind of wait around and not push it and not like make grand pronouncements around you know i want us to be friends i, I was doing that for a while i think we should be friends 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 like i would talk about the friendship more than i actually lived it um but with love you have to wait and see i don't know Really? I don't think so. I think you I think you fucking need to get in there, take a look around. Uh, you know, you can usually pretty much assess. It's like walking through a house that you either want to buy or you don't. <laughs> it doesn't take that long to figure out. Like, it either feels really good and right and, uh-oh, now I'm making it sound like that kiss thing was... Uh, <laughs> was good advice but um yeah i think i think you know who want you i mean what is the real message that she's trying to get across with that well I, i'm realizing that i've misconstrued this song my entire life because oh. i was taking it as you know you can't hurry love as in like you you know the person who is for you or whatever is not going to just appear right away you might have to wait o- around for it you know you i think this is definitely a song for a very young person too uh, uh yeah but no this is this is okay. absolutely not that advice this is like you are like you you're involved with someone and you're hoping that it becomes love yeah don't do that don't wait around for that but i think you might be right that that wasn't that your your meaning is right like do you, you can't hurry finding the right person for you. You have to like relax. I do agree with that advice. All right. Let's move ahead to, uh, I've got two from Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> okay. Uh, like, I love Fleetwood Mac. I think Mac. the more famously a bit of advice song is uh, Don't Stop. So there's a lot of advice in this song. I'm just going to throw, <laughs> I, I think I have to read a, a very large chunk of this song. So just bear with me. Okay. 
<laughs> if you wake up and don't want to smile, if it just takes a little while, open your eyes and look at the day, you'll see things in a different way. Actually, let's just, just do one piece of advice at a time. So <laughs> that part, <laughs> the first part. Oh verse. my God. Open your eyes and look at the day. You'll see. If you yeah. wake up and don't want to smile. Yeah. If you wake up and don't want to smile. It's funny. I've never really li- processed those uh, lyrics before. If it takes just a little. So what's the idea here? Yeah. I think it's just like, eyes. you know, if, you, if you're in a bad mood, then uh-huh. you should just try to i think the whole point of the song is like if you're if you're feeling down or negative just try to think that it might be better later okay i I'm think gonna, that's the overall idea yes because don't stop about tomorrow don't stop it'll soon be here it'll be better than before yesterday's gone yesterday's gone okay so i'm going to interpret this as because it starts with if you wake up and don't want to smile right yeah if it just takes a little while my practical advice linked to this that I think supports their thesis is if you wake up with a bad shitty attitude in your head and you're like, God damn, I don't want to get out of bed. And you do that every single day. It's really just a bad cognitive habit of waking up that you've developed. Like perhaps you developed this cognitive habit when you were a teenager and your mom was yelling at you to get up and you just kept it and kept it and kept it. And then you told yourself you hated your job. You told yourself you didn't want to see anyone in the world at all and you wanted to stay in bed and it sucks to get up at some point i i my husband and i had this conversation early on in our marriage where i told him that every single morning i would wake up and think i don't want to fucking do my job and he was like that's not specific to your job i used to have that too and then i just started to instead of laying in bed thinking about how um, I didn't want to do whatever I had to do that day. I forced myself to simply get out of bed without considering how much I wanted or didn't want to do what was in front of me. And so I started to do that and I became like, I don't know, probably like 25% happier just by following that one little bit of advice. So Christine McVie is kind of advocating for a kind of cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, exactly. And it's not about... um, Things will get better. We, you know, yesterday is gone. Really what she's saying is those old cognitive patterns are based on yesterday and you need to drop them because you're living a new life now. That's what she means. Yeah. And every, every day is new. Catchy. You know? Yeah. Every day is completely new and you don't know what you're going to get. And once you open your eyes to it uh, and clear your mind of all the detritus of the past, you may find that you're actually pretty light on your feet. All right. So also from Fleetwood Mac, this one from Stevie Nicks, uh, from Gold Dust Woman. Rulers make bad lovers. I could, that, that one's not really Ooh. advice so much as a, as a proclamation, but I think it's oh, worth considering. Oh, yeah. I like that a lot. Ru- 
Losers make bad lovers. Good Stevie. Um, so, yeah, I think they do. I think rulers make pretty shit. You know, I, I've always been, I've always had an aversion to rulers. I've always kind of like sort of wanted to be the king's hand and sort of hated the king, right? But mm. now I think what's interesting about rulers is once you lose your fear and resentment of rulers um, and you observe them at a closer distance, um, rulers teach you all kinds of things about how to rule basically um, and how to like get what you want. And actually it's really good to be in, in conversation with rulers. Are they good lovers? Fuck no. I mean, I, I can't wants to be a queen now though. I can't verify that. I'm thinking more about kings when I say rulers. Yeah. You know, because I'm a heterosexual woman and most also And this is absolutely women. a song about heterosexual men. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes, of course. It's Stevie Nicks. Um, and we live in a patriarchy, right? So um, I'm going to say that um, I do not, I have not fucked a lot of rulers, but I can tell you for sure that they are bad lovers. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and, so I, and I just, I, you know why I know that? Because- it's just like I, apparently Stevie Nicks, like when she's walking out to uh, to go. I love this anecdote. When she's walking out to go on stage, sometimes she says, "Walk with me, Prince," so that Prince, the spirit of Prince, is with her um, while she enters the stage, which I think is fucking amazing. And so um, I think Stevie Nicks knows things. She's just it's super intuitive and has like, woo! She's like you know part witch. Uh, can see through walls. Uh, you know, if I think of her as supernatural. And so I'm going to say that if she says leaders make bad lovers, I am 100%. She did, I don't even care if she's never fucked a leader before in her life. I'm going to say she fucking knows and we're just going to follow her lead on this. Yes. I think yes, Lindsay Buckingham yes. counts. <laughs> Lindsay Buckingham, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's like the absolute worst lover in the universe. I mean, amazing musician amazing yeah. amazing I mean, what are like the central uh characteristics of him is kind of like a he's yeah, a peevish annoyance with other people yeah. uh, control freak. <laughs> <laughs> like, very insecure it's just, yeah yeah it's what you say that okay but i think like another crucial thing about him that is kind of his saving grace as a human being as an artist is that he is extremely invested in making the work of his female collaborators shine. Yeah, yeah. That's his role in that band. Well, see, isn't that interesting? It's like you, you just when you're like that motherfucker, you know, because he's insecure, he's envious, he creates these fucking love triangles like an asshole. But yeah, but he's also in awe of the powers of of women and, and, and really, really jacked into that kind of like understanding of intelligent, interesting women. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird when you get, you know, you get closer to observing someone and you think one thing like, Oh God, this again, the fucking bros or whatever. And then you see a little, uh, a closer peek and you're like, hold on a second. This guy's complicated, you know, like he's, I don't know. It's rulers are interesting to observe. I think that's, uh, yeah. see, this is why I'm not a, a lyricist. <laughs> so I think our takeaway here is that, but yeah, that's true. So do you think, how do you think uh, that played out in that band specifically? 
like his interest in um, the, you know, powerful women and, and, and the power of what they have going on. Like, I'm not saying it as well as I'm, you did. I'm thinking like this kind of like, you know, going from that career where like he's very invested in making everyone else shine, um, which I think is part of his own ego, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. But it is like a he is a, he genuinely admires Christine and Stevie and wants to bring out the best in them to encourage, you know, if you listen to, I think it's particularly with Stevie because she's kind of a rudimentary musician. If you hear like the stuff that, you know, she just made on her own, like the early version of dreams, like these things are, you know, they've released them on like box sets and things like that. Uh-huh. You know, you really see like, Oh my God, like Lindsay brought so much to this. And like, or, like, yeah. the, or the earliest version of hold me by Christine on a mirage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I think, like, over time, like, you know, that's probably the source of his resentments when he has conflicts with them, especially Stevie, where it's like, where there is kind of this part of him that's like, I made you. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's all great, um, great collaborations have these elements to them where, God damn it, someone is... uh, cutting things and blowing things around outside. Can you hear that? It's pretty No, it's, it's fine. Okay. Um, but but uh, most great collaborations have this element. It's almost like you can hear Christy McVie and Stevie Nicks. You can hear sort of the, the, the limits of their songwriting in their songs. And there's all of this supportive, but, and yet there's all of this purity in but baked into the same, like it's limits and potential are so closely bound together. It's like you have two people who are incredibly romantic and, you know, prone to going too far with their lyrics, you know, like Stevie Nicks is like, you know, I've always been a storm, you know, like just (laughs) so melodramatic, but there's a way that it's all anchored by this just, proficiency i don't know i don't want to put it into yeah. you can get a little bit too like the man you know uh channels yeah. all the wild rage of the wild wild intense savage woman i feel like this is also crucial to like the ongoing like cultural obsession with Wood mac because the songs are very good obviously but oh yeah it just kind of screws up all of this stuff when, when you have to like think about them oh yeah yeah you don't, I don't actually know a ton about their interpersonal dynamics. You can kind of just exist and things come at you about them. Like, I think, it, you know, everyone kind of gets like the basic myth of it. So like the, yeah. the real details, the truth of it, it's almost besides the point now. Right, right, right. I love um, Fleetwood Mac and I, and I, in college, I listened to Fleetwood Mac over and I listened to Rumors like every day, I think for like a year. They're so good. But then there's like, okay, what's the song on um, Rumors that's just the uh, sappy? Oh, Daddy. Okay, I hate that one too. But there's <laughs> one that's... Um, Songbird? Songbird, yeah. Yeah, these are both Christine McVie songs. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, I often kind of like hear Chris, Christine McVie and, and sort of fast forward, um, skip to the next song. Uh, but I loved Songbird in high school. Um, I remember listening to it on a flight to go see my boyfriend who had gone to Boulder for his freshman year. 
Um, and it was just, you know, it's, it's weird. Oh, and beautiful child. God, see, I love that song. Similarly melodramatic. You know that song, beautiful child. Yeah, That's on Tusk, right? It's on Tusk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That song I fucking love. And it's so melodramatic. Like you listen to it now and you're kind of like, could, would I like this if I stumbled on it now? I don't know that I would, but, um, yeah, Fleetwood Mac. Wow. Let's let's jump ahead in time uh, to something from, I think, roughly 10 years ago, give or take. Okay. Uh, This is the Robin song, Call Your Girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Are are you familiar with this one? Mm -hmm. I only know the podcast, Call Your Girlfriend. Okay. This is uh, from It's, I guess, based on the lyric. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to read a a chunk of this then. Okay. I don't really know it. But, you know, it's it's kind of a dance pop song. Sure. Uh, Call Your Girlfriend. It's time you had the talk. Give your reasons. Say it's not her fault, but you just met somebody new. Tell her not to get upset, second-guessing everything you said and done. And then when she gets upset, tell her how you never meant to hurt no one. Then you tell her that the only way to her heart will mend is when she learns to love again. And it won't make sense right now, but you're still her friend. And then let her down easy. Call your girlfriend. It's time you had the talk. Give your reasons. Say it's not her fault. But you just met somebody new. Don't tell her how I give you something that you've never even knew you missed. Don't try and explain how it's so different when we kiss. Just tell her that the only way her heart will mend is when she learns to love again. And it won't make sense right now, but you're still her friend. And then you let her down easy. confident play man that's (laughs) it sounded like good advice for a while didn't it (laughs) yes oh my god what a turn um don't mention the part where you're way more into me and i give you something that she could not muster because she's just a devil little hoe this might um, be like the most like machiavellian <laughs> other woman song i've ever encountered okay 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 hold on Break up with your girlfriend. I was going to get there. <laughs> that was literally the next one. So I think we can talk about them both at the same time then. Okay. Yeah, so, and uh, also, what about... Your girlfriend, I'm bored. Don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? Yeah. This is, a, this is all the same vein now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Evil vein. Yeah. But uh, the latter not really advice so much as uh, yeah. the... the, the bringing you towards the call your girlfriend advice. <laughs> like once you followed those steps, we can get there. <laughs> um, yeah. So wait, am I really supposed to say, let's see, is it, is it good advice to call your girlfriend and say, um, <laughs> Hey baby, um, here's the deal. Uh, I, you know, I think you'll find in time, uh, you'll get over this. And I mean, uh, I guess- we're still friends. I'm there for you. You know, <laughs> tell her tell her not to get upset i think is a terrible thing to oh god i know tell her to calm the fuck down why don't you relax 
Um, yeah, it's terrible advice. It sounds terrible. I hate the so boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, hate that guy. Although it it will help your girlfriend because she'll enjoy, she'll feel relieved once she gets off the phone, knowing what a tool you are. Um, so that's it. Is there are some blessings built into it? Uh, but yeah, no. Bad How much advice. do you think she cares about this other woman? Because she's trying to make it sound like she does, but I, I, I'm not really fully convinced that she does. Oh, like, um, be really sweet to your to your current inadequate, um, mediocre girlfriend, <laughs> yes. so that uh, we can clear her out of the way and have the good life that we deserve together. Um, yeah, I'm going to say she's not concerned at all. I, I feel um, like is- you've gotten letters very similar to this and the <laughs> Ariana Grande song. Uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's it's they're always hard because it's hard to know. You don't want to get I mean, okay, in the early days, I used to get really moralistic about letters like this. And I used to hold forth on who do you think you are? You know, um, when people would say, I just have this thing where I just fall into relationships with married men. I'd be like, uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's just a coincidence, I'm sure. Um, but Sometimes, you know, people fall in love and they're better off together than whoever they were married to before. It's not like the world is not that cut and dry. So um, I try not to hold forth on, I don't know. It's hard. It's like more complicated. Once you start talking about like, because, okay, because my position, right, as an advice giver is I'm taking the side of the person who's writing to me, right? I'm going to, I'm going to get their back. So, so if the, if the husband wrote to me, if a wife writes to me and I give some advice and then the husband writes, I could give completely different advice because now I'm, you know, now I'm trying to support the husband. I don't know. It's, I mean, off, usually it's whatever I'm trailing off. I don't yeah. even, it's just, I, as you can see, it gets complicated, right? Where you're like, I don't know who's to blame. Who's the, who's the good one here? Who's the bad one? Can't tell. Very difficult. I, it's I like uh, it's like Stevie Nicks and and uh, and Lindsay and Lindsay uh, Buckingham yeah. Bucking, Buckingham Buckingham yeah yeah and uh, Christine McVie it's like who who's evil who's good who knows I think the key difference between the Ariana Grande song and the Robin song though they're kind of coming from the same position is uh-huh. that Ariana Grande knows she's a villain here yeah. <laughs> Uh, she's she, that she's just doing something to alleviate her boredom. Whereas like the, the Robin one, I think rubs me the wrong way, even though it's a great song because it's so like, it seems so self delusional. Mm-hmm. I think I feel like you have to kind of be in that self delusional space to even like be thinking in this way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in some ways, yeah, it's, it's easier to digest the person who's like, yeah, go, go dump her because we're, we're a thing now versus um, your poor girlfriend. Here's what to say to her. I'll tell you everything to say so she you don't break her heart too hard. I'm so compassionate. It reminds me of... Um, she's uh, very condescending to the guy, too. Very like, condescending. To? But she's coaching him in condescension, too. Because when he makes that call, he's going to say all kinds of fucking obnoxious things. Oh, we'll be yeah. friends and blah, blah, as if he cares. Yeah, don't get upset. Don't get upset. Why are you getting upset? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, you're just being downgraded to friends. We're great friends. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Friendships are so important and so vital. You're not understanding. Yeah. 
Let's um, do a. Uh, I've got a few, but I want. Let's do a quick uh, lightning rounds of don'ts. Oh Jesus! Okay. Okay. Uh, don't believe the hype. Mm, correct. Thumbs don't up. Don't look back in anger. Mm, no, I think you can look back in anger. Don't fear the reaper. Mm, correct. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. But now that we got those out of the way. <laughs> Are there any more don'ts? Do you have any more? That, that was fun. That's what I had here. And we we, we already had a don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Don't stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say everything you mentioned. Or, oh, another one that comes to mind is uh, don't dream it's over. Don't dream it's over. Don't now see. Okay. Is it, are you dreaming that it's over? Are you don't dream because it's over? <laughs> there is a, uh, there's a, the podcast that the guy uh, from vampire weekend does. He remember him talking about this song once and he thought that it was don't dream. It's over. Oh, it was completely hey different now. from what I think is hey the, the intention now. there. Don't dream. It's you know, why would you dream that it's over? I think he's just trying to tell you to like, you know, it's not over. Don't, don't, don't even, don't give up on things. That's what you think it is? I think that's where he's coming from. Yeah, because it kind of yeah. flows that way. It doesn't flow like, don't, don't dream, it's over. You know, it's a yeah. little more, it wouldn't, the, the melody wouldn't sound that way. Yeah. Plus it's such it's, a soothing song. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a reassuring song. Yeah. Don't dream it's over. But the thing is, it don't dreaming that it's over is weird because it's almost like dream implies you're wishing for something. Like don't, yeah. you know, it should be like don't, don't, don't want it to be over. I yeah, don't indulge saying. in the delusion that it's over when it's not. It's actually everything. Which, which fine. I think is good advice for some people now. I think a lot of people have that uh, impulse to almost like want the end. Yes. You know what cured some of us of that? The actual global pandemic. I think I had a taste for apocalypse before this bullshit. And now I'm like, oh, it actually really sucks when things I think you also kind of, you know, we're kind of trained by culture to think the apocalypse is more fun. Yes. And exciting. Exciting. And at least people will be, um, you know, attuned to their emotions and they'll face themselves like, you think people are going to snap out of their denial like state if bad things happen. And guess what? Guess what? Uh, all of human history suggests otherwise. Yes. Yes. Here's one. I don't even know where to go with it. Uh, okay. A Devo with whip it. When a problem comes along, you must whip it. Wrong. <laughs> when something's going wrong, you must whip it. Incorrect. I I can throw some buzzers in later, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, no. Uh, You must whip it. Fuck no. You don't have to whip it. Don't whip it. (laughs) Relax. When a problem comes along, uh, put it out of your view and don't get all anxious about solving it. That's my solution. Devo, very uptight band. 
<laughs> I love Devo so much. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's Eminem, Lose Yourself. You better lose yourself in the music the moment you own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. You better lose yourself in the music the moment you own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. You better lose yourself in the music the moment you own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Opportunity knocks over and over again. You just have to don't get too wound up in uh, in trying to whip it, which will drain your energy pointlessly. Um, and um, solving random problems that come your way. No, don't do that. Just uh, sit back and uh, don't go after what you want all the time. Not, 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 don't pursue what you want constantly. Don't get up in the morning and think everything's fucked. Um, and don't dream it's over. You gotta stay chill. Let the world come to you somewhat. Accept the way things are. Cultivate. Look for fun. That was another one of the lessons we learned. Um, try to make it fun. Um, enter a state of mind where uh, you welcome the unknown and uh and work from what you have and uh and what was the song that we landed on there <laughs> that we're that we're nice we start again something that yeah. i said fall, false to what was it oh yeah oh the, you know don't whip it for sure yeah but the no but the most recent one that that would that started this thing the 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 one that i'm answering right now <laughs> oh uh, eminem lose yourself yeah 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 <laughs> opportunity comes once in a lifetime no wrong you you don't you in fact if you have the mentality that opportunity this, comes I feel like this one really speaks to what we were talking about earlier with the millennial thing. This is such a yes. like, it, like you know you only have one chance. You have to do everything right, and if you do, oh, don't God. do everything right, the whole world falls apart. No fucking way. Mistakes are great. You learn a lot from disappointments. You learn a lot from fallow periods where nothing is happening at all. You learn a lot from traumatic awful experiences and big losses. Um, my whole life is a story of, um, I mean, you know, I haven't suffered that badly, but shit comes along and crushes me into the ground every few years. And, um, you just, when you open your eyes to the benefits of these things, it's, you know, life comes to you. You don't have to go out and find that one opportunity and smash yourself into that one whole or shape because that's your only opportunity i, th I find yeah. that I, I, my experience is pretty similar oh yeah I, I, yeah and I, I think that over time it's just made me chill out <laughs> like you know just think oh you know something else will come you know hopefully you just got to be ready for it but also just kind of appreciating uh that things kind of don't last and, you know, mm -hmm. I think it makes you enjoy things more in the moment when you really fully understand that things don't last. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a while and to kind of really get in that headspace. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because you're I mean, the thing is, when you're always focused on, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to take this one opportunity and fix everything and I'm going to get there and I'm going to and once I get there, I'm going to get everything I need. Um, you know, that life doesn't really work that way. But if you're in the space of. um 
in the space of, well, I mean, here I am and things might not look this way for very long, actually. And I should probably try to appreciate the aspects of the situation that, um, that are enjoyable to me. I mean, even the pandemic, there are dimensions of it that are sort of soothing, obviously. Um, well, let's, let's, let's jump into another song. This is, uh, I think this one kind of moves along with some other things we were just talking about. Uh, this is Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself, then make a change. And I guess I guess it's, an, it's another way of phrasing be the change you want to see in the world. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, mm, yeah, sure. I'll give it the a weak thumbs up. Why do I dislike it? It's like, um, you know, it can't be limited to that. It's not enough. I don't think it's enough. There's a, a similar one uh, from Lauren Hill from do op that thing. This is, I guess, more of a question, but it's, I think it really kind of is on the same wavelength. Mm -hmm. How are you going to win when you ain't right with it? How you going to win when you ain't right with it? How you going to win when you ain't right with it? How you going to win when you ain't right with it? Uh uh, come again. Yeah. God damn, I love that song. Um, Yeah, I mean, you can win, but you're going to still feel like shit after you win if you ain't right within absolutely thumbs up agree <laughs> yeah it's, it's pointing to like you know you can't escape a certain rot that's in you yeah if you're not if you can't uh cultivate a kind of ability to look yourself in the eye and kind of um cultivate your inner life and make peace with who you are um you're going to struggle a lot to um, to go out into the world without shame, right? And do what you were meant to do. Here's another one that is uh, meaningful to me. It hit me at exactly the right age. I was maybe 14. And this has really stuck with me my whole life. This is from the Pearl Jam song, Not For You. If you hate something, don't you do it too. Very Gen X advice. That's like a, that's like a Gen X version of the Golden Rule, I think. Yeah, if you hate, <laughs> that's funny. If you hate something, don't you do it too? Yeah, I don't know. It's so strict, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I love to do. I love to hate things, and I also love to do the things that I hate when I feel really feel like doing them, even though I shouldn't be. 
it doesn't really allow for the possibility that you're wrong about the things you hate. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you, yeah, sure. Exactly. Like there are so many things that you develop an aversion to because you're afraid of letting that part of your personality come through or, or letting those desires come through. Yeah. Well, one of the, the central ideas that I kind of stick to in doing like critical writing is that the, I don't think people are wrong about their positive uh, reactions to things, but I think you can be very wrong about your negative reactions to things because those are much more like contingent on all sorts of things that you're, you know, you're carrying with you or, you know, whatever biases that you, you have. And those are the things that can be wrong. I don't, I think that like pleasure, it's hard to be wrong about pleasure. Yeah, that's, wow, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I have negative, re- <laughs> I am absolutely a case study in um, talking a lot of shit about things that I want, actually just want for myself. Um, so like, I feel like there were, there are like 10 years of my life that are just a map to what I would eventually become. And it was all mapped on the things that I talk shit about and said I never wanted to become, you know? Um, I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty astute because the, the stuff that you are positive about. Yeah, you're right. That's yeah. I, I think maybe you better start writing my column for me. <laughs> I'm like, well, I have nothing I, to I, add to I, that. I said that like, Oh, you, it, it's hard to be wrong about uh, pleasure. But then I was, re- I remembered one of the thing, one of the bits of advice that I pulled here, which is, uh, from a song that is take is receiving advice and then saying no, this is bad advice. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's one of the creepiest songs in the world. Uh, Benny Mardona's "Into the Night." The, open, the opening lines are: "She's just sixteen years old. Leave her alone." They say, separated by fools who don't know what love is yet. Oh my God! She's just sixteen years old. Leave her alone. That that is a person who is wrong about their their uh, <laughs> those those silly fools. Um, yeah, that's that's wrongness. Unambiguously good yeah. advice from the people who are telling the guy to leave the sixteen-year-old girl alone. Yeah, leave her alone. I'll take care. Even of if her. just for your sake. You know? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I'll back you on that one. Another one that's just like <laughs> terrible advice. Two two bits of terrible advice in the same song. Uh, this is Mungo Jerry, the song "In the Summertime." Uh, if her daddy's rich, take her out for a meal. If her daddy's poor, just do what you feel. Oh my God. That's the first, that's the first one. And the second, have a drink, have a drive, go out and see what you can find. What? Have a drink, have a drive, go out and see what you can find. If her daddy's rich, take her out for a meal. If her daddy's poor, just do what you feel. Speed Yeah, Mungo Jerry or not. Have a uh, drink, have a drive. That's funny. Yeah, just go out and see what happens. 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, let's focus on uh, if her daddy's rich, take her out for a meal. If her daddy's poor, just do what you feel. Yeah, because like you marry. Okay, so you're supposed to marry a rich woman. This is like the inverse of I don't want no scrubs. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, <laughs> this, this, from uh, the, the scrubs perspective. Yeah, it's like... Um, She's either going to better your lot in life or you're going to get a piece of ass. One of the two. That's fucked up. I hate I hate him. <laughs> I've got a worse one. Uh, oh great. <laughs> I didn't want to jump straight to the the, 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 the very obviously ones. bad advice like the bad advice ones because I wanted to like take something seriously. Yeah. <laughs> but this is uh Jimmy Soul if you want to be happy from the year 1963. If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your wife. So from my personal point of view, get an ugly girl to marry you. A pretty woman makes her husband look small and very often causes his downfall. As soon as he married her and then he start and she starts to do the things that will break his heart. But if you make an ugly woman your life, your wife, sorry, you'll be happy for the rest of your life. An ugly woman cooks meals on time and she'll always give you peace of mind. Obviously, this is terrible advice. It's very rooted in its era. Uh, but yes. Good God. Um, an ugly woman polishes the floors the way you want them polished. She's just so grateful, you know? Oh, Jesus Christ. That's sad. I mean, there's. I remember hearing weird advice like that about um, you want a nice, boring guy who's grateful for you versus like a flashy, interesting guy who's like not interested enough who'll only break your heart i mean a lot of people have internalized this sort of insecurity yeah as uh, a, a way of moving through life well it's like so, it's so it's so pragmatic it's just a pr- very i mean not pragmatic in any real way with the ugly versus pretty but just like um the idea of like um love is all about finding uh these sort of like a uh, support staff <laughs> just recruiting the proper support. Or also staff. just the idea that if you are not in the position of power in any kind of relationship, then you are a failure or it is inherently bad. You can't get anything out of this relationship where you are not fully in control of everything. Oh my God. That's just such a, um, an American purely very, very specifically American perspective too. like, see, this is why, you know, the, uh, the, and uh, all the other things we were talking about circle on this theme too. It's like, this is your one opportunity. Whip it now or f- never, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. It's the, it's this idea that like your, you know, your destiny is in your hands and this is, <laughs> and this is your chance. And you, if you fuck it up, you're done. Um, you know, it's, it's a, just such a recipe for misery. So many of the kind of like pure, super pop cultural themes, American themes are just so rooted in. I mean, even like the anti-mask, you know, um, anti-vaccine kind of 
there are so many strains of American life that are just about control, um, control, 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 and like uh, feeling like, um, you know, I'm nobody's fool. I know what's going on. Can't you see through this? You know, anything, any, you know, anything that the, any wisdom or thoughtful, slow science uh, that exists is uh, for sheep. Um, I don't know. So I have one that's kind of the other side of that song. Okay. This is Dusty Springfield, Wishing and Hoping. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a lot here. I'm just going to jump to the part that's relevant. Okay. So if you're looking to find love, you can share. All you got to do is hold him and kiss him and love him and show them that you care. Show him that you care just for him. Do the things he likes to do. Wear your hair just for him because you won't get him thinking and a praying and wishing and hoping. Because wishing and hoping and thinking and praying, <laughs> that won't get you into his heart. All you gotta do is hold him and kiss him and love him and show him that you care. Show him that you care just for him. Do the things he likes to do. Wear your hair just for him. Cause you won't get him. Oh. So form yourself into the perfect product that he's shopping for. And that's yeah. what will get you your man. Bad advice, terrible advice. Better. A lot. There's a lot of songs from the '60s uh, for women that are essentially saying the same thing. There's there's one that I that, that someone showed me that was, you know, it was almost, it was almost like too much to even to do with this. It was just like, uh, you know, you have to. It was a song specifically about losing weight. Uh huh. So like, oh god. But yeah, that, oh, that, god. that's like an extreme example it? of wishing and hoping. It was like drop drop twenty pounds and get your BMI beneath. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> god. Yes, no, no. Don't change your shape. Don't change a thing, baby. That's my that's my pop song, my '60s yeah. style pop song. Be who you are and see who likes it, just as it is. Whatever fucked up product you have to throw onto the market that only one person might end up buying, you know, you're not a mass marketed product. You're just looking for like a single human who like digs it like nobody else. Yeah, I, I think like that song and a lot of others, it's it really becomes a thing about like treating yourself like you're, you're marketing. You're just doing marketing yeah. and trying to appeal. Yeah. And you're, it's just like applying a capitalist view to uh, to relationships. And there's lots of songs like that. Um, I was actually trying to find a, a good Beyonce one because I think it's central to a lot of her stuff. But a lot of it wasn't really phrased as advice so much as just kind of like expressing a worldview where everything is sort of transactional. Are you about to read the, th are you reading Oh, that? no, no, uh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't have one specific, but I'm going to like upgrade you as a good example of that. There's, there's yeah, a lot yeah, of songs yeah. from the catalog that are kind of coming from this very transactional well, view of relationships. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, there you go. There's some advice from Beyonce. <laughs> it's like, it? Who are you meaning? Is that me? Me is it? Um, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. 
Yeah, it's <laughs> there. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of that. It's it's um, that's funny. I mean, the thing is, these things these things really affect how you move through the world too. Like how you conceptualize what you are made of is such a. I mean, one of the big challenges of Asquale is sort of like when someone has a broken conception of themselves. Um, how do you pull them out of that using only your words on a page? How do you like give them that important shift in perspective that makes them treat themselves as sort of magical and precious and interesting and weird and treats their kind of injuries and broken parts as, um, as, as exciting and beautiful and, and, and uh, generative. Um, There's that John Legend song about uh, his wife, um, Chrissy Teigen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what is it called? You know, I'm, I'm talking sure about. I know right? which one you're talking it's, about. Um, no, I don't. It's. I think he has like one really big famous one that's got like a big love song. Right? All of you, all of me, loves all of you, loves your cousin. All your perfect imperfections. That's a good song. My kids did a, a, something in the talent show one year, and some kid sang that song and played piano. And I started crying in the middle of the <laughs> auditorium and wept like tears. I And I'd never heard the song before. I was like, I don't know this fucking song. Stupid. Like this child wrote this song for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like five minutes in. Yeah, you know, I was like, a fi- whatever, like 50 seconds into it. And I was like, stupid, you know, very beginning, stupid pop song. It's going to be bad. I'm like, Oh, it's got a pretty good voice. And then I'm like, it's beautiful. So beautiful. Um, so my kids, whenever I'd see that kid, I'd be like, Oh my God, there's that kid. Oh, me. My, my, my kids would the be like, child with wisdom. shut up. Yeah. Yeah. How'd that kid write that song? God damn, it was good. Okay. So I've got two <laughs> sort of contradictory bits of advice from two different uh, songs by the Eagles, big hits by the Eagles. Uh, let's see which one rings more true to you. <laughs> Take it to the limit one more time. Or take it easy. Don't let the sound of your wheels drive you crazy. Take it easy. Take it easy. Don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. Mmm. Take it to the limit. I don't know. There's a way that that song is uh, presented that's kind of melancholy. Right. Right. And like, it's, it's, it, that's a Randy Meisner song and he is so much less like aggro than the other guys in the Eagles. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now. It's- so like that bit of context really kind of changes it. It's almost like he's trying to like keep up with the other guys, the whole thing to take it to the limit one more time. Is did Chuck, did Chuck Klosterman write about take it to the limit? Or did he write about a different? I don't remember. It feels like he probably must. There's there's a evil song that he writes about in um, his big book, uh, Coca Puffs. I can't remember the title. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't, I read that like such a long time. Yeah, ago. me I don't too. Really remember. Me too. I think it was "Take It to the Limit." 
And he just goes on and on. Like, I think he's, uh, you can spend all your time. That's part of it. That's a good song. Damn. Um, I want to listen to that song now. That's a really good song. Okay, so the the question is, do you take it to the limit? Or do you take it easy, you take know? Take it easy. I would just like take the, take it to the limit the song so much better than I'm going to have to say. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny how much um the music itself affects your uh your your logic and your your processing of the message, you know? Um yeah. Cuz well, and also like take it take it easy is a Glenn Fry song mm-hmm. and I just don't really believe that guy took it no, easy. No, 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 no. He's just talking about like Th- that one day I was really hungover and I just needed to hydrate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another way of saying, don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. Yeah. Don't do any more Coke right at this minute. Wait a few, wait a few hours. I think. Um, I mean, honestly, take it easy is really more of a car song. Yeah. I think when it comes down to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like don't tailgate ever, the person in front of you all the way there. Like actually just sit back, you know, eat some beef jerky. Uh, take it to the limit, though. Take it to the limit is sort of like the way that it's pre- It's interesting. There, you know, there aren't that many songs that are like a really uh, aggro message in a really um, relaxed, gentle. yeah, very gentle. Yeah, you know what's and also like one more time, just one more time. Oh my god! Can't- you don't have to keep taking it to the limit. You, you you can't you can't sustain it. But just one yeah, more one last just time. One more. Put this, that little push. You, you can do it. You know what it remind, reminds me of is that Tony Hawk video of him doing, I mean, I don't care that much about skateboarding, but he's like at the stage where he's like, I'm just going to do a, you know, 540 one more time. Whatever the fuck a 540 is. It's just something that breaks your kneecaps when you fall and you break your back and you're like 52 years old. But like there are all these videos of him doing his 720 one more time, 720. I don't know. What some other number. And it's just one of those like he's on the half pipey thing and he goes up and he does this, you know, several rotations and he nails it and he's like, ah, thank God. Cause he'd just been doing it all day and landing on his knees. And it's like, I'm never gonna do that stunt again. That's his <laughs> thing, you know? And so all these people yeah. are watching this. Like, okay, imagine pushing yourself to do this thing. One last time, getting hurt over and over again, and then being like, I did it! Fucking done with that! Tony Hawk lives a take-it-to-the-limit lifestyle. <laughs> and he, he kind of always has. Yes. Yes. But what's he going to do now? Is he going to take it easy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, there, there comes a time in your life where you just shift to a different member of the Eagles. as <laughs> Yeah. And you just hope that it's not Don Henley. Oh my God. That's a really good, that's a really good book that you should write, Matthew. That's like <laughs> the, the different stages of your life as told through different um, members of the Eagles. Yeah. Or I could probably just do even more, make it more broadly. It's, it's like, I think that, I mean, that's the, that's, that's quiz writing thinking. Yeah. Just yeah. Like yeah. Separating and then like figuring out like what each of the people mean, like the, the semiotics of, the different members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, and it's also very, that is very kind of 90s and Gen X y too. Like, you, you know, you're a, you're a Ch- Chobani yogurt 
You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that means something. Like, it's just very, but it's also kind of it's, meme it's, thinking. It's funny you mentioned the Shivani yogurt because, like, uh, there's like certain jokes or things I'll, I'll get in my head and I will know that I have literally no place to put it other than a BuzzFeed quiz and I don't make them anymore. But with the Shobani thing, it's like I, I've wanted to have like a running joke and a whole bunch of quiz where you just kind of refer to uh, the heir to the Shobani fortune. Oh. Like, and it's a person. You uh-huh. know? It's Anton Shobani. Oh. And it's just like, Shobani's like Hagen does. It's like a thing they just made up to sound authentic. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, I'm so disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like part of why I just enjoy the idea of there just being like, you know, Anton Shobani. <laughs> oh my God. He's an eligible bachelor. Is it Shobani? I don't know if I'm saying it right. I thought it was Chobani. I like Chobani. Yeah. Better. Okay. So Chobani does not exist as a human being. Are you sure of this? Yes, yes, I've, I've I've read it. Damn it, yeah. I'm mad about it's, that. It's a word. It's not even really a word. It's a it's, it's a Kagandas. It's just like that. It's so they just made it <sighs> now I'm gonna, the whole Now world I'm just upset. I eat a Chobani yogurt like every other day, and I'm just because they give good they give money to good causes, don't they? Aren't they kind of progressive, Chobani? Yeah, uh, as, far, as far as like yogurt companies go, yeah. <laughs> So let's move into a uh, famous song by Paul Simon, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. He doesn't actually give you 50. He only gives you maybe like eight. But I'm going to tell you the ways he mentions in the chorus. You tell me which are the good ones, which ones are the bad ones. Okay. Ways to Leave Your Lover. Slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. You don't know. <laughs> you don't need to be coy, Roy. Hop on the bus, Gus. You don't need to discuss much. Drop off the key, Lee, and get yourself free. 50 ways to leave your lover. You just slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. You don't need to be coy, Roy. Just get yourself free. Hop on the bus, Gus. You don't need to discuss much. Just drop off the key, Lee, and get yourself free. Ooh, slip out the back. Make a new plan, Stan. You don't need to be coy, Roy. You just listen to me. Hop on the bus, Gus. You don't need to discuss much. Just drop off the key, Lee, and get yourself. Slipping out the back is, um, in my circle, we call that culturing. And it means, like, ne- don't say goodbye to anyone before you leave the party. Just take off. Um, but, you know, you can also just ghost someone. He just uses the word ghost in this song. <laughs> yeah, he's he's if if you wrote the song now, you absolutely would just be like fifty ways to ghost yeah. your lover. <laughs> um, I'm against all these things. Dropping out entirely without uh, without closure is uh, it's my pet peeve. I mean, I understand why people do it because it's all cowardly. Every every bit of advice he's giving you, is it's all cowardly. cowardly yeah. He's just like dodge the dodge the consequences of what you what you built here, um, but I. He's also saying like in multiple ways. He's saying do not communicate. Oh yeah, he's like don't say another word about this. Just drop off the key, hop on the bus. There's so many ways. You, it's so easy is really what he's saying. 
it's so easy just to go. Stop, yeah. stop making like, it complicated. As long, as long as you don't care, you don't really have to, you know. But there's an implied meaning. There's an implied you're making it too complicated, right? Yeah. I think that's a, the general point. Yeah, yeah, stop overthinking it, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Live this Paul Simon lifestyle. <laughs> I love that song. Yeah. Um, here's, a, here's a couple Dylan ones. Okay. I feel like it, we, it would be a bad idea to not uh, mention Dylan at all in this. Um, this one's from Absolutely Sweet Marie from Blonde on Blonde. To live outside the law, you must be honest. Well, six white horses that you did promise were finally delivered down to the penitentiary. But to live outside the law, you must be honest. I know you always say that you agree. Oh. That's interesting. So in order to be completely corrupt or illegal or uh, to do to, to follow your own rules, you've got to be honest about your what your rules are. I think, yeah, I think it's like you have to be consistent with your own rules. Yeah. Like, I think he's basically saying you have to have a code. Yeah, yeah. It You you don't have to take on the code that society is giving you, but you do have to have your own code. I'll buy that. I'll give that a thumbs thumbs uh, up. Correct. From Like a Rolling Stone uh, from Highway 61 Revisited. Okay. When you got nothing, you got nothing to lose. Go to him now. He calls you. You can't refuse. When you ain't got nothing, you got nothing to lose you're invisible now you got no secrets to conceal how does it feel when you've got nothing you've got nothing to lose yeah sure yeah i can't remember having nothing see this is where the the, the yeah like how do you define yeah that? exactly like um what kind of nothing do you have exactly? Like, are you in the middle of the desert naked? <laughs> right. It's, I, I think, yeah. I think not like nothing is like you, you have to bring a lot of values to that. Cause it's like, nothing is implying there's lots of things in your life that you don't even consider important one way or right. the other. Right. But that might be very important to someone else. It's almost like saying, if you don't value any of the, uh, any of the things you have, then you might as well go for it because you shouldn't be living this way. You should find a way to, yeah. you, you should find a way to look around you and say, wow, I have so much as opposed to, I don't have shit. So those two were advice from the young Bob Dylan. Okay. This is from an older Uh-oh. Bob Dylan, but still he's yet older now. This from the year 2001 uh, from the song floater too much to ask old, young age. Don't carry weight. It doesn't matter in the end. Why the old men round here sometimes they get on bad terms with the younger men. Old, young, age don't carry weight. It doesn't matter in the end. Sure. Yeah. I mean, most people do carry some extra weight when they're aging, but yeah, it doesn't matter. I'd say um, my personal opinion is that you have years when you're really young and you have years when you're kind of older and depends on what's going on in your life. Like, um, last year I, 
I had all this like old stuff pouring down on me, but I felt really young through sheer force of will. And I just was in a young, I was in a weird young stage of my life somehow. Like I'd reverted back to some strange, goofy, like a uh, wild self that hadn't shown its face in a long time. So yeah, I think that um, as you get older, you definitely notice that um, people are, uh, some people just don't really ever seem that old because they're just freaks that live in their own atmosphere kind of in their own planet. Um, and then other people were old at age, you know, 22. Yeah. I think part of it is also just like how much you engage with people who are younger than you. Cause I feel like people who like age in that really harsh way, just really for one reason or another. And a lot of, because it, I think insecurity on some level, like you just cut yourself off from people younger than you and what they might offer. That's true. But it's also about cutting yourself off from your, your own younger self and cutting yourself off from the things that you loved when you were younger, cutting yourself self off from the desires and wild dreams you had when you're younger. Like if you can't face those things, if you're afraid of them, if they make you feel shame or uh, make you feel like a failure. So you can't look back. Um, That limits how much you're, um, you're you're almost like choosing a rigid path where it's just like, there's only the future. There's only the present. Fuck all that other stuff. I'm, I'm better than that. Now I'm wise. You know, it's like the most boring people on earth, uh, take that path in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think with Bob Dylan, like if you kind of look at a lot of his stuff, he really acknowledges that you go through phases in life and what you're just saying before, like I was thinking like, yeah, I definitely have young and old phases of my life, like years or so, and they, they're not chronological. No, no, know? yeah. Uh, like, like I was thinking specifically about the aughts the other day, and I, I was thinking about like when I think of myself at like nineteen twenty, that feels older than to me than how I felt and lived when I was twenty six. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's just how it yeah. goes like the growth and uh, immaturity kind of or whatever, like how you're ever going to characterize that, you know, it's, it's not a straight yeah. line. And if you read old stuff that you wrote when you were younger too, there are times in your life when you're like, Whoa, I was pretty wise. Like, I feel like a jackass now. I don't know how I, <laughs> like, why did I forget? Yeah. How did that go away? Um, yeah. I've had that experience reading stuff I wrote when I was like 25. I was like, well, how did you even think of that? You were a total idiot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, you know, it's not, you, you, um, I don't know. It, there are so many, I mean, you mostly just, embar- you mostly just remember like embarrassing yeah. things or the most, or the things that you, you're most proud of and everything else is kind of like, edited well, out. you, yeah, you forget that there's wit that you ever had any wisdom inside of these big mistakes. And it's like, well, you know, you make all kinds of new mistakes all the time, actually. Like you, humans are capable of making mistakes simply because they're wired the way they are. You know what I mean? Like it's not, you can be the wisest person alive and just continue to make mistakes based on your weird shoddy wiring system or, you know, your anxieties. So it's not the wisdom of what you um, have learned is never that apparent in your behavior. You know what I mean? Like when you look back, you're like, wow, I must've been an idiot. No, actually I had all kinds of ideas. I just wasn't putting them into action. So here's one from Stevie Wonder. Okay. Uh, when you believe in things that you don't understand, then you suffer. Superstition ain't the way. When you believe in things that you don't understand, then you suffer. 
I disagree. Really? Yeah, well, we were talking about co-star, right? Um, yeah. I think, I mean, sure, conspiracy, superstition. I, I guess I could see that. But, like, I, I believe in a lot of things I don't understand. I mean, not not like I, I literally believe in astrology. I find it fun. Uh, I do not necessarily believe I don't, I don't pull up a co-star every day and say, oh my God, I better watch it. Today's a day for um, scrapbooks and not a day for Monopoly. Um, but, <laughs> but I do think that like believing in things you don't understand is like a great way of life in some ways, just on a personal level. Like I am very open to um, the things I don't understand right now. And it's fun like moving toward, it's kind of like, um, what I was saying about leaders, right? Like, um, or just any type of person that you didn't necessarily give a shit about years ago that you're suddenly like, Oh, I want to know more about chess players, you know, or uh, anywhere your curiosity leads you. It's that's kind of like believing in things you don't understand, you know, curiosity, is a form of fuel that brings you into new places that as creatures of habit, we, I mean, I'm such a creature of habit. Anything that gets me out of my habits is good for me. I've finally realized. Um, so like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say wrong Stevie wonder, very wrong. I, I think it's interesting because like Stevie wonder does like sing about faith a lot. And I think in that he's talking about like the really bad side of oh. faith but not really taking into account like the, the positive elements oh, of it. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I can see that, but yeah. So, okay. Here's another one from a band called the Beatles. Mm, never heard of them. Uh, hey Jude song full of advice. Uh, I think the, the first mm. line, uh, don't make it bad. Wow. What a stupid lyric. This song sounds terrible. <laughs> hey Jude, don't make it bad. Make a sad song, make it better. Remember to Impossible. let it into your heart and you can start to make it better. Don't be afraid. You were made to go out and get her. The minute you let her under your skin, then you begin to make it better. And anytime you feel the pain, hey Jude, refrain. Don't carry the world upon your shoulders for you know that it's a fool who plays it cool by making his world a little colder. good advice that's the advice that you give to an avoidant someone who yeah. doesn't want to feel things who just wants to explain things away and keep the world at arm's length um it's always a hazard of the tr the trade as a someone who intellectualizes their emotions that you land in that kind of position i think most media people are avoidant um but when you let things under your skin, you let people under your skin and you feel their love for you or you feel your love for them, 
um, yeah, the world shifts into this full color place where, yeah, the risks are bigger and you're worried more about, um, you feel more insecure. You're more in touch with your insecurities. You're more in touch with all of your feelings. But, um, when you're in touch with, uh, the full range of experiences that are already happening underneath your skin, you just might not be, uh, cognizant of them. Um, when you move into that space where you allow um, yourself to be in touch with those things and to have a kind of inner world um, and to cultivate it, um, in some ways you're more vulnerable, you're more fragile, you're more, um, but you're also more in tune with the world around you and joy becomes possible. Even if you're sad, more sad and more worried about outcomes and uh, some of that will come in. Uh, overall, joy is possible when you're not shutting your emotions down. That's my, um, that's the drum I beat often. Um, Yeah. I really strongly relate to the person who is being given the advice in this one. And a few years ago, like this song uh, was pointed out to me by a friend that, Oh yeah, this is, this is the song you need. This is the song you have to pay attention to. And I mean, it didn't really work out, but I think it's stuck with me since. Yeah, It's such a good song. It's because it's, I mean, how old was um, Julian Lennon when? Just a child, yeah. I think, right? He was little, right? So it was sort of like over his yeah. head a little bit. I mean, I get the impression he's singing to John, though. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, that's always been my impression, is that he's really singing oh, to John. Oh, interesting. I, th- I think he's, I, I would imagine this song was about john and letting yoko in oh interesting i didn't know that i always pictured this little kid i'm like what's going i mean well that's what he's where where jude comes from but yeah you know but it makes more sense with john obviously yeah letter under your skin john john very much the kind of guy who needs to be told yeah 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 okay okay i love that song um okay so is it good advice yes that's very good advice (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay one more one more uh to do uh a very another very very famous advice song kenny rogers the gambler a lot of advice imparted <laughs> in this one if you're gonna play the game boy you gotta learn to play it right you gotta know when to hold them you gotta know when to fold them you gotta know when to walk away you gotta know when to run and if you count your money when you're sitting at the table there'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done and every gambler knows the secret to surviving is knowing what to throw away and knowing what to keep because every hand's a winner and every hand's a loser. And the best you can hope for is to die in your sleep. Whoa. The last one comes out Jeez. of nowhere. <laughs> I don't remember that part. Definitely quiet. And his face lost all expression. Said if you're going to play the game, boy, you got to learn to play it right. You got to know when to hold it. Never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. Every gambler knows that the secret to surviving is knowing what to throw away, knowing what to keep, cause every hand's a winner. And every hand's a 
loser And the best that you can hope for Is to die in your sleep And when he finished speaking The best you can hope for is so, yeah. to die in Jesus Christ yeah, that, I think we should almost like set that last yeah, line because <laughs> that seems to kind of not be in conversation <laughs> yeah, with the other yeah, parts. Yeah, God, is that the best we're gonna do? Um, yeah, know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Sure, yeah, I'm, I buy all that. I do think timing is important, and uh, it's really hard to um, fold and walk away. Like that's something I have trouble doing uh, with anything. Yeah. Do you feel like you you were raised with a lot of messages that that quitting was like the Absolutely. worst thing you could do? I, I definitely I picked that up from my dad yeah. for sure. And I think he picked that up from sports. Mm. I will say that my mom was really good. If I had a shitty job, she would tell me to quit. And I think actually that's made it possible for me to make big changes in my career when I needed to because she treated quitting a job that wasn't serving you as like something to celebrate. Um, so I would, I would break down crying. One day I forgot to tell my mom that I needed a ride to the gap where I worked and I broke down crying because my terrible manager called me and yelled at me over the phone. And my mom, I didn't know where my mom was. My mom came in and I was crying and I was like, I hate my job. And she was like, you should quit your job. There's no reason to have a job that makes you cry. Like that's just terrible. And she, plus she was kind of like the gap, like get a different job. And so, <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to call my boss. And my mom called my boss for me and quit for me. It was awesome. It was like such a moment of sweetness and understanding by her. <laughs> and so, but I have to say when you have someone who's like, whatever, don't stay miserable uh, as a role model, that's a great role model because Staying miserable, at, at, I mean, almost everyone who says to me, I'm thinking about quitting my job, I'm like, let's seriously consider, like, it's hard for me to ever say, no, do not quit your job, do the safe thing and stay. Um, because everything good that's come from my career has, um, almost everything has come from saying goodbye to one thing and moving on to the next thing. Yeah, I mean, I think another part of this song is kind of telling you that you know, there's potential to win at any moment. And, you know, if you can just get beyond the thing that you think is, you know, you winning, you might actually win even bigger. Well, yeah. That... But you don't know because you need, you have to be put in the opportunity. Are you to trying to tell me, Matthew, that you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you can't always get, you get what you need. Yeah. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> I, I, I think that's what Kenny is saying as well. Yeah. <laughs> God, I feel like all these songs are about the same thing. Is it possible? Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're, they're, they're a one thing or the other. So it's really like some people are like really like, hey, you don't know what's going to happen. You got to be open to the world. And people are like, no, there's only one way to win. <laughs> and th that, that seems to be like the real conflict that we have just. Yeah, it, it would almost be. I mean, it, it suggests that we could probably sort all of these different uh, lyricists into two different piles, you know? Yeah. Po possibly, possibly three or four. Possibly, depending. but they, they don't, it would almost categorize. be like generational probably, right? Like there's probably, we could probably just call some of them boomers, even if they weren't boomers, they would have boomer like attitudes about not quitting, uh, et cetera. The, the boomers here seem to have like some of the best attitudes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they were kind of hippies, right? 
So they got all the advantage of that. And then they kind of went straight. And so they called the advantages of living. Yeah. But, but, but we're kind of like all, all these songs are coming from when they're at their most idealistic too. So, um, or even not, if not idealistic, but just kind of like, you know, chill. They're much chiller people. The, you mean the boomer are. songwriters in specific, specifically? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, specifically, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. some of those 60s songs aren't very chill. They're sort of like, listen, there's nothing out here for you. Find your ugly woman and s- settle down. Yes. <laughs> You're yeah. not going to do that well. <laughs> just stay alive. Uh, yeah, just find that ugly woman. <laughs> do- be, to be a domineering presence in her life and just take whatever you can get from anyone. Yeah, whereas the Eagles are like, hey, man, you know, there are more lines. Don't worry. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> yeah, man. If you, if you, if you, yeah, like you know, keep driving your car. You know, getting that life in the fast lane. You know, <laughs> life in the fast lane. And um, you know, there are always new hotel rooms to trash. Um. So, yeah, the optimistic worldview. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's all all hotel rooms are sustainable and will be refer. There will always be endless new resources to trash and uh, new. Yeah, because you're the eagle. <laughs> new guitars endless. to smash. It's not wasteful. <laughs> it's going to coast from success to greater success, <laughs> and even like your even your failures will be and incredibly your failures successful. Are there's, They're going to turn you on those failures and the successes will be even better. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that, that's where we have uh, landed <laughs> with this uh, set of advice from different yeah. eras. Well, I think it's mostly kind of the, I think it's almost entirely 20th century wisdom. It's, it's amazing to me that there's such a worldview. If you added them all up, it's almost like, a, a, a coherent worldview starts to emerge. How long did it take you to find all of these things? Uh, really? Not very long. So I think some of this. So some of this is probably just kind of, uh, you know, probably speaks to my own collection, right? So like I'm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, some of these things. I mean, I asked people like, "Hey, if there's anything that you know you think would be an interesting thing." <laughs> So, like, I mean, I probably wouldn't have arrived at, like, the Shoop Poop song, for example. <laughs> that was a suggestion. The Mungo Jerry song with the really terrible advice was a suggestion for oh multiple God. people. Oh, my God. That's funny. Yeah, that's insane. It's almost depressing. These absolute <laughs> the only moons. The downside is that it's so depressing that you, I just almost wanted to just get off the call and move on with my life. Like, I can't even think about this anymore. <laughs> it's too sad. Oh, you know, oh, oh, there's actually one that I, I didn't get to, but because it's the whole song is different, we would just be here all day. <laughs> but that 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 Boz Lerman, uh, everyone's free to wear sunscreen. Oh, I don't know that song. song. Oh no, but I'm sure you do because this was from the late '90s. It was that song where it's someone reading a commencement speech over like a chill. Beat. I don't know that song. I will dispense this advice now. Enjoy the power and beauty of your youth. Oh, never mind. You will not understand the power and beauty of your youth until they've faded. But trust me, in 20 years, you'll look back at photos of yourself and recall in a way you can't grasp now how much possibility lay before you and how fabulous you really looked. You are not as fat as you imagine. Don't worry about the future. Or worry, but know that worrying is as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubblegum. The real troubles in your life 
are apt to be things that never crossed your worried mind. The kind that blindsides you at 4 p.m. on some idle Tuesday. Do one thing every day that scares you. Sing. Don't be reckless with other people's hearts. Don't put up with people who are reckless with yours. Floss. Don't waste your time on jealousy. Sometimes you're ahead. Sometimes you're behind. The race is long. And in the end, Tony with yourself. Remember compliments you receive. Forget the insults. If you succeed in doing this, tell me how. Keep your old love letters. Throw away your old bank statements. Stretch. Don't feel guilty if you don't know what you want to do with your life. The most interesting people I know didn't know at 22 what they wanted to do with this their lives. This was a lives. humongous Some of the most I'm sure if you heard it, you'd recognize it. Really? You know, it's like, where's sunscreen? If I could offer you only one tip for the future, sunscreen would be it. You know? What year did it come out? I want to say 90, uh, probably like 99. Whoa. It's, 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 I know it came out after I graduated from high school. I think it's actually my sister's graduating year. Uh, but, you know, okay. I mean, I'll, I'll throw some of this at you. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, what I just said, uh, the long-term benefits of sun- oh, fuck sunscreen. Uh, enjoy the power and beauty of your youth. Or never mind. You will not understand the power and beauty of your youth until they have faded. But trust me, in 20 years, you'll look back at photos of yourself and recall in a way that you can't grasp now how much be- possibility lay before you, and how fabulous you really looked. You're not as fat as you imagine. Oh, my God. That, that, so that's one verse. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all like that. It's like it. So the, the, the thing that was interesting about this one is that this all the copy it was written from a commencement speech that's attributed to this woman, Mary Schmick. But it was one of those things in the that would kind of get this faxed around and sent on email chain letter kind of things in the '90s. So it's like a '90s meme. Mm. So it's kind of like um, "Don't sweat the small stuff." Uh, yeah, I think I think that's pretty much the whole thing is uh, that plus a few things that are just kind of like goofs, you know? Oh, like floss every day, or, or like yes, exactly. Things. That that is that is in fact the line in the song. Oh floss. my god! See. They were so obsessed with floss back then. I mean, I guess they still are. Yeah. Occasionally in this, they will just like give you like a one word piece of advice. And that's one of them. Sing. Floss. Oh, God. Stretch. Sing. I hope you dance. That song is kind of like that. It's one of those. Songs. Here's one. Keep your old love letters. Throw away your old bank statements. Oh, God. I hate that's shit like that with- so much. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's true. But like, it's such just kind of, it's interesting. It's such a, um, the tone of it is so late nineties, you know, I'm just so yeah. like, Ugh. do one thing every day that scares you. Ooh, I hate, I hate shit. Like, see, the thing is these things get repeated and repeated and repeated in the culture forever. Like people write, do one thing that scares you every day constantly. And I understand it. I probably said something along those lines within this actual podcast, but I hate hearing things the same way, the same message, the same way you've heard it 15 times. It actually makes me angry. Angry. Yeah. It's one of those things where like, uh, when things become that kind of, uh, adage, yeah. like it, it becomes like such a cliche that sometimes you can kind of confront one of those old adages or cliches, whatever. And you're like, Oh, that actually was good advice. I just I ignored it. Cause you just hear it all the time. You just kind of tune it out. Yeah. It's like, it's like when people say it, they're not really, 
they're just saying something automatically. They're not necessarily saying like something they thought of or, or they deeply felt. Well, one of the things that has taken that form for me is um, it just is, or it is what it is. I used to effing hate that. Like I hated to hear it is what it is. And now I swear to God, I say it just is, or it is what it is constantly like, ah, it just, because I'm more chill, Matthew, I got, I learned how to be chill and take it easy. Uh, as I got older, and now it is what it is, seems perfectly apt yeah. many times. You, you took it to the limit one more time, and then you just took it easy from there. I, know, I took it to the limit already. I mean, I've done that, you know, and I, I lost myself in the moment. I owned it, I got it, and I never let it go. And so I didn't have to take that opportunity once again. It only came once in a lifetime. So I moved forward. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, I think we have uh, completed the arc of this. Yes, I, I think we we've gained so much ground. I feel like we're like the wisest humans on earth now. Practically, people are going to come away from here hearing this like having a groan. They will grow, <laughs> and uh, they will hopefully seek I, out. I thought um, you said more. groan like G R O A N. <laughs> I was like, that's probably accurate. Yeah, yes, some of that too depends on who you're. I think some people might grow and they might want to seek out our wisdom in uh, further installments. I think you should tell them where they can find your wisdom. Oh, oh. And, and, and it's in its various forms. Oh, okay. Um, well, there's a little cave. If you go up the hill past the. <laughs> um, no. Uh, I... It's in California. They have to take a pilgrimage. Oh, okay. So. Yes, there's a, a small pilgrimage will be involved. Um, I am on Substack. I have two newsletters. One's Ask Polly. It get, I give advice. I have a few new features I'm about to launch on Ask Polly, that newsletter. Um, and I have a lot of fun over there. Um, and then I also write Ask Molly, which is my the, uh, Polly's evil twin. Molly is um, a little bit more... Uh, negative at times than Polly usually is. Um, and the stuff I write for Molly is more like prose and, uh, short essays. And, uh, I just did this one about, um, Gloria Estefan, where I imagine that she's in love with her costume designer, um, which I'm looking forward to publishing soon. And so I have a lot of fun on both of those newsletters. And, uh, I also have a book coming out in February that's called Foreverland. Um, unless they change the title, which you never know. Um, it's about my marriage. Uh, it's a memoir of my marriage. And uh, you, have, you have three books in the stores now. I have three books in the stores now. I wrote a memoir when I was about 40 called um, Disaster Preparedness. And I have a book called How to Be a Person in the World. That's uh, Ask Polly columns that I wrote. Uh, there, Some of them are old columns. Some of them are new Um but it's a good book. And then I also have an essay collection called what if this were enough. And that collection is about how our culture, Western culture, American culture, um, uh, compromises our happiness and is sort of inherently uh, confusing and deceptive and how, um, we all have to work really hard against the culture and work around the culture in order to find joy. Yeah. I think that one in particular is probably the one if people really want to move on from where we have been in the past hour or so 
I think that's a, that's a good one to go to next. They want more from you. Yeah, well, it's very, it's based in, actually, the people who listen to your podcast are going to be kind of pop culture junkies to some extent. And that book is all about um, looking at the messages of pop culture, actually what we've been doing um, and analyzing them and asking yourself sort of like, how does this serve me? And where, what do I really want that's separate from the kind of noise of our culture? Thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> Thank you. I had so much fun. I feel like I could do this uh, every day. It's, it was such a good time. I I don't feel like I have better advice than the rock and roll gods of yesteryear is the sad part of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. We can't all be Mick Jagger. But sometimes if, we might true. just find we become ourselves. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my God. You're, you're, you're a fucking sage, man. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah.